0: Welcome back to Basketball U on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Here are your hosts, Tyler Rocky and Brian Hanley. It's
1: Basketball U here on ESPN 1000. Tyler Rocky Brian Hanley. We're with you every single Sunday throughout the the tournament breaking down all the games and in today's case we are breaking down what we might see in the bracket and getting you ready because that thing's gonna come out around six o'clock today and then everyone just it's a frantic thing you get to the bracket you fill it out and uh, are you a one bracket guy brian or or do you like to make a couple and, and take some some risks along the way
2: no, I'm, I sit down and, and put it together in about 10 minutes. I don't overthink it because. Well, think, <laughs> Those are the best long. ones. Yep. It's like yeah, yeah it's like in horse racing, handicap long, handicap long. So mm-hmm. just go, you know, if you've been paying attention or you think you have, then you just go with your gut. And some of the things, the old 12 is going to be to five. I don't know if that holds up this year. Uh, I really don't, but we can talk about it moving forward. But yeah. to answer the question. I'm just a one bracket guy and I do it rather quickly.
1: You're a good man for that too. I am also a one bracket guy as well. I think you get one, you get one bite at that apple there. So yep. 312-332-3776. If you want to check in, tell us how you're feeling about your team on selection Sunday. Uh, we've heard from Illini fans. We've heard from Purdue fans. We've heard from Iowa fans. We've heard from Loyola fans today and we want to hear from you. 312-332-3776. Okay. A lot of people have brought up the, the fact that this is as deep of a championship caliber field as we've seen in quite some time last year it was pretty much a two-horse race you could tell it was Baylor and Gonzaga you could sort of see that was coming from the start but this season you're looking at what 10 maybe even 12 you can maybe even get ambitious and, and say that there is 13 or 14 teams that can win this whole thing. But let's start with the one seeds here. So heading into today, I think you can pretty much lock in three. You can lock in Gonzaga. You can lock in Arizona. You can lock in Kansas. They took care of business yesterday, um, as did Arizona. And then Gonzaga took care of business earlier in the week. Not going to get much of a fuss there. Those are three one seeds. They are locked in to be atop the bracket and, and patrol their regions. But that fourth one seed it's like a hot potato right now. I'm not sure who wants it. Baylor, they fumbled a little bit when they lost oh, yeah. to Oklahoma. Kentucky, they lost yesterday to, to Tennessee. Auburn, oh boy. That, that is a team that did not close the season well. And then you look at a team like Villanova, were they just too far back and did they have to jump too many people to get in to, uh, to maybe the one seed contention? And then you've got a team like Duke who, who goes out and, and they lost yesterday. So, um, this is who's your fourth one seed right now if you had to pick one
2: uh, by default Baylor Look, Kentucky when you arguably have the the best player in the country you, you can't you can't lose that game right so yeah. um, I still think Baylor's resume is strong enough to, to claim that number one seed and um, you know we'll see I think they're they're definitely the fourth number one seed um, no doubt about that but I think by the time the committee puts the uh, the selection that puts a bracket up there you'll see them on the top spot
1: yeah i look at baylor too and again they did this last year and there were other factors last year they were dealing with a lot of covid pauses towards the end of the season but they finished strong this season they won their final five regular season games including a win against kansas at home and on the road at texas but then you go out and you, you lose in the first round of the the big 12 tournament here I think you're right. I do think Baylor's just going to kind of fall ass backwards into that fourth one seed. They well, look, got they some got, help.
2: They got a 10 5 Q1 record and an 8 1 Q2 record, right? So mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Now they lost it, you know, they beat Texas twice, uh, lost to Texas Tech twice. Um, but I'm in one. That, that's a pretty good schedule. But when you go 18 and six against the top two tiers, I, I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. So for those who don't know, too, quadrant one wins are a very important thing that the committee looks at. Basically, it is your top 30 team. If it's a top 30 team in the net rankings, which is another whole NCAA tournament tool that the committee has at its disposal, that they're supposedly supposed to be one of the top things that they're looking at it's basically a ranking system that comes out every day that ranks all 358 teams in the country um and so if it's a top 30 team at home that is a quadrant one win if it is a top 50 i believe on the at neutral site that is a quadrant one win and if it is a top 75 on the road, then that is also a Quadrant 1 win. So it varies based on where you're playing and and what the opponent's ranking is. But Quadrant 1, that's the thing that the committee is really going to look at here. How many Quadrant 1 wins do you have? And I think this is, quite frankly, a big year for the net, too, because you're going to be looking at some bubble teams this season that uh, maybe the brand name might get them in. I, I think some of that's been alleviated, too, with... Carolina going out and winning a little bit, with Indiana going out and winning a little bit. But I think this is a big year for the net. But like you said, this is a Baylor team that has taken care of business against some of the best teams in the sport. And ultimately, I'm with you. I think they're going to be the fourth one seed when it's all said and done today. And they play in one of the best conferences in all of college basketball this season in the Big 12.
2: And going back to the Illini and, and whether it was a big deal that they took the early exit or not and went back to Champaign to rest up, Um, you know, okay, you say a four seed's still pretty good and you can live with that. Can you live with them playing in Buffalo like Jerry Palm has them going to? I mean, you know, now you're talking geography again and having the line nine nation travel. And they want to travel. But did you cost yourself a a spot in Indianapolis or certainly closer to home? Maybe Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Yep, that's another one.
1: Again, for... For fans of Big Ten teams that are especially local to this area, whether it's Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, Purdue, teams that are going to be in the tournament, um, this is a really nice setup that you have. When you've got an area uh, a regional in Milwaukee, when you've got a regional in Indianapolis, you can bring a ton of fans to those games. And yeah, you're right. Did Illinois sort of fumble that away? That's certainly something that is going to be a talking point when the bracket is officially released later on today. But when you look at how many teams can win a championship right now, I'm looking through. I think Gonzaga obviously can. Arizona can. Kansas can. Baylor can. Kentucky can. Auburn's been flimsy down the stretch, but if they get hot at the right time, I mean, and they, they're they going to have the best player on the floor in a lot of matchups, they certainly can. Villanova can. Unfortunately, I think Duke can, too, even though they didn't, uh, they didn't close the season no. the way they wanted to. No,
2: please. No. Please, everyone be quiet. Let me yeah. just say it's unacceptable.
1: Tennessee, Purdue can win. I think Texas Tech can win. Wisconsin is probably where I draw the line. I don't know if Wisconsin can, just because they are too single single-player dependent right, right, right. now.
2: They're, they're one injury away from CLA. And we, right?
1: we saw that injury play out. We yeah. saw it and it led to losing against Nebraska, one of the worst you know, teams in all of power conference basketball.
2: You mentioned Arizona and, mm-hmm. and a lot of us don't get to see enough of them because yeah. of the time and difference and all that. But even yesterday, they go out there and they're on the ropes against UCLA and they play a horrendous first half. And is it Tommy Lloyd the first year of the year? Tommy Lloyd,
1: who deserves a ton of credit Absolutely. and should be the coach of the year.
2: Right. So he, you know, they're, <clears throat> we know it's a game of runs, but he says they're a team of runs, and you know, basically, they he basically says without saying their heads not in it a lot of times. And we saw him stumble big time at Colorado, and you called that one. I mean, you talk about a money line bet. There you go. <laughs> but you know, they're down twelve, fourteen points, and they go on a twenty-two and five run, and he's he sold them on kind of like Lovey used to sell the Bears on taking the ball away and the peanut punch, and not just is an idea, but you know, kind of embedded in their and thought process to the point where they believe they can do it at any time. He's got them believing that no matter what the deficit is or how bad you played for a stretch or even a first half, that you're one or two possessions away from starting the engine and going and blowing a team out. And and that's exactly what they did against a pretty good UCLA team. So does you know that's maybe not exactly you, you wouldn't feel if you're an Arizona fan, you wouldn't feel like you know that that you'd be safe or confident that you you're not going to play a full 40 minutes in the tournament. But when they play 20 minutes of domination like they, we've seen them do, boy, you can make an argument that they can win this whole thing.
1: Yeah, and how about this? He convinces them all that no matter how healthy they are either. I well,
2: mean, the point guard is a huge situation for them right now, right? Kurt so
1: Presa, I mean, what is his health status? Because that's a big piece to what Arizona wants to do. And you saw him get helped off the floor two games ago against, I believe it was Colorado. And that is a very, very important injury heading into the tournament, because he is a great shooter for this team. And like you said, he, he's one of the best sort of point guards in the country right now. He, he's got a, a fantastic assist rate. But if he can't go and you start oh. digging into your bench, like that is a tough hill to climb. Yeah, and the
2: backup point guard, Justin... Um, Justin Keer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got in foul trouble yesterday. So so yeah. now what are you doing? I mean, you know, it's... it's uh, it's next man up, but the next man up picks up three fouls early in the game, you're in trouble.
1: I guess the one sort of saving grace there is that Keir is a senior, and that is something that cannot be overlooked. Another thing that I really like about Arizona is Ben Matherin. I mean, this guy's going to be a lottery pick. He's another one of those guys, can score at all three levels, and is probably the most unheralded freshman, and part of it is probably because he plays out west, so not a lot Absolutely. of people get to see yep. him. Yep. But He has been one of those guys that has flown under the radar, but he was in the player of the year conversation, certainly with the way that he, he kind of propelled this Arizona team in the early stages of the year. I mean, they were going out, winning a lot of games. They beat Illinois on the road earlier this season. And I think that game was start was when people started to say, Oh, this Ben Matherin kid, he can play. He dropped 30 on Illinois in that game. And he just goes out there and does not look like a freshman and it you usually do not see that out of a freshman in december that's something that takes time that's something that maybe you see in february or march but in the, in the tournaments do you get a little uneasy when your best player is a freshman
2: yeah i do uh, for sure I man you know the spotlight's huge you're playing in these uh you know in these football stadiums you know right so you know, all of a sudden the the Shooting depth perception is off until you get used to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd love to hear from uh, people out there listening who, you know, instead the obvious, if you're settled in on the number one seeds that we've been talking about, can you go to a second or third uh, seed team or even a fourth seed team? Can you make a case for, you know, an Arkansas or somebody, Mm -hmm. Providence in the Big East? They certainly, I mean, talk about the season they've had compared to what they had last year. And a lot of people probably haven't been paying attention to them. But when yeah. they're playing their best, they can compete with
1: anybody. They got really hot at the right time. They Their season was on life support back in December. And boy, did they wake up. 312 3776 If you want to hop on in, give us how many teams you think can win the NCAA tournament. And if there's a team that Brian and I left off, let us know. We'd like to hear the case that you're building up for any of those. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. One more little note on Matherin, too. And we, we, when we talk about the fears of having a freshman being the best player on a one seat in particular, too. But he, like we said, he played out West. He's gone kind of under the radar. And even that sort of worries me a little bit heading into the NCAA tournament because he hasn't been used to the spotlight necessarily no. being on him either. I mean, I many
2: people, you think, follow, you know, travel with the Arizona basketball team day in day out too yeah maybe maybe when one. you're in
1: a, a pro sports sort of market mm-hmm. like yeah it, it is you probably have a couple beat writers and blogs
2: yeah compared to you know pick a team out east pick a you know pick an Kansas. SEC, yeah pick an sec team a big 12 team um and it's a huge deal right but all of a sudden you're being called up before the games even start, you're being put on a dais with two other guys in your coach and all the spotlights and the there's a whole phalanx of cameras and a full room of reporters. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden it's just like, wait a minute, I've not been here. What's this all about?
1: All right, three one two three three two three seven seven six. I do want to talk about two of the other one seeds that we mentioned, Gonzaga as well as Kansas. We have to talk about Kansas, or otherwise we may not be on the air next week, uh, Brian, because our director <laughs> of content, Danny Zetterman, a huge Jayhawks fan, and guess what? Their team that certainly can make a no- make some noise because. They are a one seed in this tournament. They just won the Big 12 again. We'll get into Gonzaga. We'll get into Kansas as well. And we want to hear from you. 312-332-3776. How many teams can win the NCAA tournament in your eyes? That is coming up next.
0: This is Basketball U. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app.
1: You with you every single Sunday throughout the NCAA tournament. Tyler Aki and Brian Hanley. You can find us on Twitter at Tyler Aki underscore and at Brian Hanley 534. We've been talking a lot of Illinois today, a lot of Big Ten ball. We've got the Big Ten Championship later on today with Iowa and Purdue. And we also, Brian have a couple of tickets already punched, and we're talking about some of the one seeds here. How deep is the championship caliber field? By the way, I just had this note passed along to me, too. If Baylor does take that final number one seed, it'll be the first time ever that we get four one seeds all west of the Mississippi. Oh, really? I that's think we perfect. were in route to that in 2020, too, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, or no, wow, because Dayton... Dayton was one of those teams that was vying for a one seed late, Um, but yeah, this is we're we're potentially going to have the first time ever with four one seeds all west of the Mississippi. That's crazy. That yeah, I I don't know how how the the East Coast media is going to handle that. I think that that they they it's (laughs) going to keep them up at nights. No, please, no. Please, everyone be quiet. Let me just say it's
2: Everyone west of the Mississippi, be quiet. Please. Yeah.
1: Please. Anyway, let's get into Kansas here because they're a team that intrigues me heading into the NCAA tournament. They are going to be a one seed. They are probably going to be the third one seed, I would say. But again, you're getting into semantics at that point. I'm looking at Kansas right now. And I think this is one of Bill Self's better coaching jobs because this is not their traditional Kansas roster. This is a team that is kind of a a mismatch of parts, almost. They're used to having a hyper-efficient center down low and a really strong point guard that can lead the way. They Coming into this season, the Big 12 preseason player of the year was Remy Martin, a transfer that Mm. they got from Arizona State who was fantastic with the Sun Devils. But he gets out to Lawrence, Kansas, starts the season, but now he's a guy that comes off the bench for this Kansas team. And really to be honest has not lived up to any sort of expectations that were placed on him yet bill self goes out and gets one of the most highly sought after transfers and has the audacity to put him on the bench and it's paid off for this team because they are a much better team when it is being when the show is being run by guys like christian brown and, and oshia baji there are some really good players on this kansas team but i don't think it's the the way that bill self sort of envisioned this roster playing out this year
2: no, Remy Martin hadn't scored 10 or more points in a game since December until this week, right? Mm-hmm. So that's an added bonus because now if you have this guy getting maybe a little fire you know lit under him, maybe he's got a little hunger to him, if he can start doing what they expect him to do at the beginning of the season, well, that's just added, you know, that's a bonus for the Jayhawks at this point.
1: I look, too, at this Kansas team. And, again, one of the things that worries me a little bit is their free throw shooting. We saw them miss largely a lot of inconsequential free throws in some games down the stretch. But they're a team that, again, one of the the things I always look for in my tournament uh, caliber teams and the teams that I think can win a championship, I look at a couple of things. Do you take care of the basketball? Can you rebound the basketball? And can you make your free throws? And Kansas, to me, right now, checks one and a half of those boxes hmm. which is odd for a one seed because right now their turnover rate is relatively high on offense and they don't get a lot of turnovers on the other side either and maybe part of that is just playing in the big 12 you're going up against some real defensive masterminds in the big 12 whether it's texas tech whether it is um whether it is uh, baylor uh, another great defensive team that plays really strong team defense iowa state always going to be a really strong defensive team as well with their new coach, TJ Otzelberger. So I I just look at Kansas and maybe it's just a product of the Big 12 being as tough as it is, but they're a team that still has some holes, but they made their way to a one seed and, and quite frankly, they closed the season really strong. They won their final five games, which is no easy task in the Big 12.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just thinking about those three areas and you're exactly right to identify them because... Turnovers will kill you. Missed free throws will kill you. Not being able to rebound the ball. And I just talked myself into Marquette's in real big trouble. because He did not do any of those three things very well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I look at it, though, from the other lens. Another thing that matters is, do you have the best player on the floor? And Kansas is going to have that more times than not. With Oshai Abaji, he's had yep. some absolute highlight real plays. And he's doing all of this. On extremely high volume, too. I mean, he's got a, a very high usage rate. He's taking almost uh thirty percent of his team's shots as well. He's shooting forty percent from three, too, Ooh. which is just an added element to his game that I you know the funny thing about Oshai Abaji is every single year when I've watched Kansas while well, Abaji's been there, he's a senior now. I've always thought, okay, this guy's gonna leave after this year. And he never has. He's always stuck around. I've always thought he's had some NBA elements to be a two guard, but he's stuck around at Kansas and has really refined his game. Again, will he be a first round pick this year? It's, it's sort of up in the air, but he's a guy who you want leading your team. And when I say this is an unorthodox Kansas team, because they don't have the traditional strong big men like they've had in the past, like an Adoka Azubuki, um, because David McCormick just has not been that sort of guy for them. But with Abaji, He's erased all of these little things that have gone wrong for Kansas this year. And at one point, I thought he was a lock to be the national player of the year, but we've seen that carousel spin every which way this year.
2: Yeah, no, he's definitely in the conversation, but you're right. David McCormick, serviceable, can have some very good games, um, but he's not going to be the dominant player. He's not going to be the best player on the floor. So you make great points. I just hope Bruce Weber isn't listening (laughs)
1: Oh, Bruce, he'll be looking for a job. And there's going to be jobs open. We'll talk about Will Wade yeah. in a little bit, too, because that's a bombshell heading into the NCAA tournament for an LSU team that is going to be dancing. All right, 312-332-3776, if you want to tell us how you're feeling on Selection Sunday about your team, if you, want to, if you think your team can win it all this year, can cut down the nets down in New Orleans. By the way, I have to ask you, how is New Orleans as a host site?
2: Uh, well... If you like drinking, it's a great place. Um it's a great walking city because it is basically the French quarter, right? You can walk mm-hmm. over to the Superdome or whatever they're calling these days. I covered Marquette's final four trip there in two thousand three. Oh,
1: that's one I remember fondly.
2: Yeah, so does Kirk Heinrich. The game is over in about ten minutes. <laughs> and uh, uh yeah, so uh yeah. I I I had a trip for a great run with uh, D. Wade and that Marquette team yeah. to get all the way down there and then, you know <laughs> then I covered Kirk with the uh with the Bulls and he never let me forget that that game was over in about 10 minutes. So, uh, but you know, there are a lot of great cities. You talked about just the regionals. You've, I'm sure you've been to Indy for games, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The circle city. I mean, you park your car at the hotel and they'll gouge you at the hotel. Believe me, uh, no matter, Indy is one of the priciest places to stay in a hotel, no matter if they're having a final four or not, but it's a great city. I mean, it really is a walking city. Everything's right there for you. Milwaukee is a wonderful city and it's a brand new arena. If serve, and and you've been up there yeah oh that is a that. spaceship oh and not only that the, the whole you know great food great drink yes. great atmosphere so yeah it you know new orleans is one of those places there's a reason the super bowl ends up there every few years it's just it's it's a party time right i mean right. no matter and it's certainly a bigger party when the final four is is rolling
1: into town so so the midwest regional will be in chicago that is going to be something that we will be certainly keeping our eyes on here. I'm excited. I, I just love this time of year. Going to some of these games, too, it was always something that I loved doing growing up. All right, I do want to talk about another one of the one seeds, and it's the team that's been a one seed for the entirety of the season. It is Gonzaga. And this is a team that everyone likes to punch down on because they're Gonzaga. They don't play in a power conference. Oh, you're beating up on the Pepperdines, the Santa Claras, the Portland's. But I think this is different. It feels different to me this year, and here's why. I look at Gonzaga as a team that used to try to outdo people with coaching. And I don't think they have to do that as much. Mark Few is fantastic and a big reason why this program is where it is. And Mark Few's a big reason why Arizona is having the success that Arizona is having because Tommy Lloyd, his longtime assistant. And if you ask a lot of people too, he was a big, big part. Like he does not get enough credit for building up Gonzaga the way that he did. You have to get creative sometimes when you're recruiting at these mid-majors. But Mm -hmm. when you're Gonzaga now, you don't have to. The brand sells itself. You're getting McDonald's All-Americans. And this past season, you got the number one player in the country in Chet Holmgren to come in. And that, to me, is a huge building block, stepping stone, whatever you want to call it, for this Bulldogs team. And that's part of why I think... This is different this year. They're not the the team that's the the cute story that can get to the Final Four. Nobody has won more tournament games in the last five seasons than Gonzaga. So I, I think this is the year where we finally see Gonzaga break through. I really do. And I think it's because you're blending talent with really strong coaching. And that's something that we saw how close they got last year. And I think this is the year where they finally take it over the edge.
2: You know what they've done forever too? Uh, being, they were a mid major, but long ago, and, and part of it's being up in Seattle, but you you know, the amount of money they spent on their basketball program, they started chartering jets well before it was popular or feasible for a lot of schools, you know, that weren't uh the big time programs, right? They had the team chef preparing the meals. I mean, they to to, to win those recruiting battles they made it a first-class operation going back a dozen years, maybe 10 years, whatever it is. Yeah. So th- mm-hmm. they saw what they were going to have to do and what they were going to have to invest to be that perennial team that's in the tournament each and every year. And, and week schedule or conference or not, they. you talked about brand. Well, that, that brand is, is fully embedded in the NCAA tournament.
1: I, and we've talked a lot about point guard play today and how important it is in True. March. Yeah, no. Not only do they have a really strong point guard that I like, and Andrew Nemhard, but they've got a guy like Chet Holmgren who can bring it up the floor at seven foot, and then either splash a three in your face, or he can take it all the way to the basket and finish at the rim. I I really think this is the year that a team like Gonzaga can finally take it over the edge, and I I think the unsung hero of the entire bunch is Andrew Nemhard. He's the guy who I kind of likened to last year when. Gonzaga had Joel Ayayi, who I really liked last season. I think Nemhard can be sort of that guy for them. He can hit a big three when you need it. Like you're going to see Andrew Nemhard make a big play in this NCAA tournament, and it may be one that shifts an outcome.
2: Well, he's a senior and he's a six-five guard, and you know, you know, he he's been there and done that, and he can certainly be the the you know the calming force on that team and, and get them through this. And, and I'm with you. I think they're gonna make a lot of noise. I don't know if they'll be there in the final four. But we'll
1: see. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We want to hear all your college hoops thoughts and tell us how you're feeling on this selection Sunday as well. But coming up next, oh LSU. What are they going to do heading into the tournament? Their head coach Will Wade was fired, despite the fact that they are going to be a tournament team with this looming investigation hanging over the Tigers. We will break it all down next.
0: Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. You're listening to Tyler Rocky and Brian Hanley. It's basketball, you talking college hoops. Talking college hoops with you on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000.
1: Basketball, you with you every single Sunday throughout the tournament. Tyler, Rocky, Brian, Hanley, ten to noon every single Sunday, as one of the best events on the calendar, on the sports calendar, every single year. We're talking it. We're talking with you. We're breaking it down. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. So this came across the wire yesterday. Some very interesting timing as well on the matter. But Will Wade. The head coach at LSU was fired after there were accusations of five level one NCAA violations. Now, the Tigers are going to the tournament. They are what is looking like a six seed somewhere in that neighborhood right now. But this is something that we really haven't ever seen. A coach getting fired on the day before Selection Sunday.
2: Well, look, he should have been fired a long time ago. <laughs> yes. and and this is the unseemly part of college sports college basketball in particular it's just these guys get to be so big they're the king of their fiefdom whether it's in baton rouge or pick a college town everyone kisses their ring or kisses their rear end and you know they throw money at them they're always if they're at a state school they're the highest paid employee in the state by about 10 million dollars you know more than much more than a governor's getting It's just you see this money at the college level, and there's nothing but that come tournament time. If he hadn't lost to Arkansas the other day, he'd be coaching this team going into the tournament. So you can take LSU's statement about integrity being the utmost importance to the university and blah, blah, blah. They could have fired him for cause a long time ago, but because he was a winning coach, they turned a blind eye until the NCAA absolutely laid the – allegations in writing and delivered it to him probably with making sure that they got the spotlight it did this week when the complex case unit decided you know what uh, that will wade needs to be taken to task here and we we talked to we alluded to bruce weber mm-hmm. and in his closing press conference at kansas state he talked about how he's grown his hair long until the uh ncaa takes care of all the schools implicated in the fbi investigation and that's Surely will Wade you know yep. about this as well as anybody
1: yeah so for a little more context on it all here LSU has been under NCAA and, and FBI the FBI is getting involved yeah. in all of this stuff here too for um, for will Wade and he was caught on a wire and, and this is the fan the absolutely fascinating part of this to me so about two years ago, there was a, a documentary that came out on HBO called The Scheme, and it dove into kind of the underbelly of college basketball, paying players and all that stuff through a guy, Christian Dawkins, who went to prison as a result of everything that went on in the, the ugly side of college basketball is what we'll call it here. So Will Wade was caught on a wire, and it was released to the public two years ago doing all of this illegal stuff at LSU, and he has somehow found a way to keep his job throughout that entire period. Let's take a listen here. Here is what Will Wade was caught on tape and then released to the public saying about how he was going and, and trying to get recruits to come to LSU. Right, I, I was
2: thinking last night on this smart thing. Like, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm tired of dealing with the thing. Like, I'm just looking mm-hmm. sick of dealing with. What do you think? Because I went to him with a strong-ass offer about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Strong. Now, the problem was, I know I didn't take it now. It was tilted towards the family a little
0: bit. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was it was a hell of a offer. Okay. Like, hell of an offer. Especially mm-hmm. for a kid who's going to be
2: a two- or 3 year kid. Right. I've made deals for as good of players as him that were a lot simpler than this.
1: I don't understand how that's been around for two years and he's still a head coach of a, a men's basketball program. Because I he wins,
2: right? I mean, that's it. And so, so finally they, they launch him for cause because the last one, you know, the, when that came out, he refused to even talk to the school investigators at the time, finally did sit down, denied everything. So they said, well, he, he said it didn't happen, so we believe him. But at the time they made him sign an addendum to his contract, that if it happened again he was going to be fired for cause and he, and he couldn't help himself he pay, paid off a fiance of, of a player to keep quiet you know he, he's on there talking about it he made other offers which were much simpler to get done than this kid and so he's been doing it for a long time but if he had not lost to Arkansas the other day he'd be coaching going into the tournament no matter the NCAA all they did was put the allegations in in writing but you know how long It takes the NCAA to actually find a school guilty and uh, institutional control or lack thereof and to to put, you know, the so-called death penalty on the school. It doesn't happen very often because they don't want to have that part of college basketball in the spotlight any more than they need to. But, boy, when you're caught on an FBI wire talking that, you know, blatantly and openly about it, how do you how do you avoid it? But he. He, he sat there for three or four more years until he got launched this week.
1: So Will Wade came over from VCU, and he has had a winning season every single year as a, the head coach of the Tigers. Again, it is a, it is a program that obviously is much more well-known for its football than its basketball, but those, I think you're starting to see the, the tide turn a little bit from, I shouldn't say the tide necessarily turning, but everyone's catching up in the SEC. They're getting all these football money resources that are being allocated towards the basketball programs, and LSU is certainly one of those programs that is seeing an uptick right now. They're going to NCAA tournaments. They've got great recruits coming in every single year. After Selection Sunday today, they'll have made the last three NCAA tournaments, which is something that you look through the history of LSU basketball, really hasn't been done since Shaq was there. And Will Wade is a big reason why. But when you're doing it in the fashion that Will Wade was, it's it's really I'm surprised it took this long despite the winning and all that. I'm surprised it took this long to get Will Wade out of there. I mean, how, how can that sound clip be played on an HBO documentary despite the winning when the FBI is involved? The FBI is involved. And to me, that's when you start to see these coach, these athletic directors don't want that headache. Because guess what? Well, there's there's a couple other Will Wades out there that can coach just as well as he can.
2: Bruce Weber said all oh, but one of those guys implemented or indicted or, or alleged in the FBI investigation are going to the tournament this year. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was before Wade got fired. So there, there are plenty of administrations that will turn a blind eye until they're absolutely forced to do the right thing and then come out with their sanctimonious Statements about integrity and how you know. It's all the most important thing a university has, and blah blah blah. Sometimes the most important thing is to get that NCAA tournament money. And look, you know, Wade made a point of saying none of the guys on this team are are, are alleged to be involved. Well, the, usually NCAA doesn't take care about that, and they can make sure a team doesn't go to postseason play. Right? Uh, and, and LSU didn't self sanction. They didn't say you know when that stuff came out that. We'll go ahead and give up recruiting visits or postseason play for two years or whatever they just went along on their merry way until the allegations came out on the eve of the ncaa or on the eve of the sec tournament but you know there he is uh, you know the guy the guy was shameless and he thought he was never going to pay a price and and meanwhile the the school really isn't paying a price because they they fired him for cause and they're going to the tournament and they're going to make all that money
1: will Wade is definitely a gangster for what he did that is how Christian Dawkins described Will Wade in that documentary. He, he's the one, he's the other voice that you hear on that wiretap. And, and he's the. And Christian Dawkins is the one that actually did serve prison time as a result of all of this. None of those coaches have been implicated in any sort of way for what's been happening until now, until you see Will Wade getting fired. You bring up an interesting point, too, with how the university hasn't punished itself. No. I wonder if they will do something today. I wonder if they will self-impose a ban because listen, this, this NCAA tournament for LSU could be a blank show because of the fact that you have a completely different, you're not, you're not going to, you're going to be without your head coach. It, your leader that has been a big part of why all these kids, A, came to this university and B, the, the guy who has done a good job. Like you don't get to LSU without being a good coach. I I wonder if they'll pull themselves out because you're not going to have your head coach, one of your best players heading into this season was supposed to be Adam Miller. He's he's been out the whole season with an injury as well. And LSU has just kind of been one of those flimsy teams throughout the course of the year. I'm wondering if they pull themselves out.
2: I'll take that bet. They won't. They won't. I mean, that's. Uh, you know, I've been to Baton Rouge. Brian Kelly's now down there, right? I mean. It, They that sports is everything LSU's, you know, it's all about sports. And if they were going to do that, they could have done that on the same day that they launched Wade, but they're not going to do that until they absolutely are forced to do that. So, um, you know, they can take their integrity and and tell their story walking because um, they're just going to go and they'll go as far as they can in the tournament and they'll wait and see if there's any penalties coming the school's way. You know, they'll probably argue, hey, we got rid of the guy who was was doing this stuff. So, you know. So it's
1: a moot point. What else do you want from us? I, I, yeah, it's. I guess the other the other way to look at it too is this could be a multi year penalty. So oh, enjoy enjoy this run while you can have it because this might be your last for a, a couple of years. Another thing I want I do want to play. This is from uh, Tim Doyle, former Wildcat. This was on CBS Sports HQ. He was talking about Will Wade and sort of how he built up this LSU program.
2: You know, I'm not going to speak for everybody on LSU. But I will. They went to LSU because of Will Wade. You know what I mean? I don't think they were walking around being like, well, look at the science building over there. Like, he was the one that sat in the living room. He was the guy that you go and play for. And now he's no longer going to be there. Uh, you see the, his career. He was an outstanding coach at VCU. But when I saw what was kind of coming his way, I was really surprised. And that's just LSU being like, whoa, 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 we're not going to make any rash decisions. We're really going to go through the process, do our due diligence. We're not going to remove Will Wade before we really get a full breakdown of all the allegations and now they get it the timing of it like i said is very unfortunate for the players because will Wade's the reason why they are in school that's just a fact
1: will wade is definitely a gangster for what he did and that's the will wade story we'll see i i highly doubt he coaches again because he oh no. he has brought this headache on on lsu and again there's there's plenty of other coaches out there doing it Now you can get away with some of this stuff through NIL. It's a completely different beast, but he's maybe just a a product of wrong place, wrong time, too, because, again, he's not the only one doing this sort of stuff. There's plenty of other coaches out there that we're doing and have been implicated in a similar situation to Will Wade. But that is, that is the, the Will Wade story right now because LSU is going to go into the tournament without their head coach. All right. Coming up next, we will get into one of people's favorite parts of March Madness the Cinderella stories, and we'll also break down a couple of bubble teams. What is everyone rooting for and if they want to see their team get into the NCAA tournament? That's coming up next on Basketball U.
0: Welcome back to Basketball U on Chicago's home for sports. Get the Basketball U podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Here are your hosts Tyler Rocky and Brian Hanley. Oops, oops, oops.
1: Thank you to Jake Cantu for producing today's show. Basketball U will be with you every single Sunday throughout the NCAA tournament. Tyler Aki and Brian Hanley, 10 to noon, here on ESPN 1000. We thank you for listening and participating today. And for those watching on Twitch, we appreciate you watching us on Twitch, presented by DraftKings. Okay, Brian, so one of the best parts of the entire March Madness experience is the Cinderella stories, is these major upsets teams that you think don't have a chance against some of the blue bloods and the the high major programs and then they go out and pull off historic upsets that live on in infamy when you look at this year's field and again it it is something that still sort of needs to be ironed out there's a couple of teams that can still steal some bids like texas a&m or richmond could find their way into the field but when you look at some of the teams that are probably going to be seated seven or worse, are there any that stand out as a Cinderella or could make a big upset when we see the bracket come out later today?
2: Well, I'll stay in the SEC because uh, Buzz Williams, who yeah. used to be a Marquette a couple stops ago, he's basically you know the better dressed Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> if if you like three piece <laughs> suits from the fifties, where Tom would wear you know the tracksuit, the same two or three tracksuits all all the time. You know, uh, Buzz likes to wear the vest when he, sh- he sheds this the uh, suit coat. But he's got that team believing, and uh, they're, they were firmly on the wrong side of the bubble going into the SEC tournament. Now they're in the title game. And it hasn't even been much. You know, it, Yesterday wasn't even a contest, right? They went out and, won- and went from beginning to end. It didn't even make it interesting. But they get Tennessee, the hottest team there, Uh, Today, But I think they're probably in, but obviously they win today, they get the automatic bid. Right, leave no doubt. Yeah, I I think that he's got that team playing its best basketball, and if they go ahead and win the SEC, I think you might see them win a couple rounds.
1: One of the things I look for when I'm trying to pick an upset to teams that can just get hot and just make shot after shot after shot, and a couple of teams that I see that can do that this season are vermont and colgate both of those teams are going to be probably in the 12 13 14 seed don't be surprised if one of those teams wins a game maybe even two in the ncaa tournament a couple others that i I sort of like too these are more you're looking at maybe a seven two upset or a a six three upset I really like what I've seen out of Colorado State this season, and I really like what I have also seen out of Boise State, two teams out of the Mountain West. The Mountain West has been sneaky, one of the best conferences in college basketball this year. So look out for those two teams, specifically with Colorado State, because they've got some dudes that can play. When you look at David Roddy, he was, he was even he was in the National Player of the Year conversation. He's certainly wow. one of the best players in all of the mid-major ranks, so look out for Colorado State. That's a team I really like.
2: Yeah, and that Boise State call, I think, is pretty good, too. So, yeah, it'll be interesting, Um, but I still think when it comes down to, we'll see how it all, you know, the bracket, what it looks like today, later on today, but given the fact that we pretty much know the four number one seeds, I would say two of those seeds will be in the final four.
1: Yeah. Um, So I do want to, real quickly, because I've got my DraftKings app up right now, and I'm looking through some of the odds Let me know. These are teams that are priced out at 20 to 1 or higher that I think can win the national championship here. Let me know if any of these uh, pique your interest here real quick. Texas Tech, Villanova, UCLA, Tennessee. Villanova, Tennessee.
2: Tennessee.
1: Villanova's sitting at twenty-two to one. Tennessee right now is sitting thirty to one and mm. a chance to win the SEC. I think when we've talked about the formula of winning a national championship, protect the ball, rebound the basketball, and shoot your free throws well, Tennessee checks a lot of those boxes. They've and, won
2: eleven of their last twelve,
1: too. And, so and they it play is. in what I think is the deepest and best conference in all of college basketball. All right, yeah. that is gonna wrap it us wrap it up for us here on the first Edition of Basketball, U. We will be with you every single Sunday throughout the NCAA tournament, and we look forward to talking college hoops with you guys all March long. For Brian Hanley, I'm Tyler Rocky. We'll be back with you guys next week.
0: ESPN Radio, and ESPN from the Plus. First Midwest Bank, a division of Old National Bank, State Street Studio. Visit-